Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Go grab your pets. We are all settling into the studio right now, Dr. Debbie, just getting ready to answer your pet questions, your veterinary medical questions. Joey Villani with your grooming questions. Uh, Judy is already screening calls. Uh, Lori actually is the first one that gets here in the morning, and she's uh, already working on news for this hour. We'll do a quick check to see what she's working on in just a couple of seconds. I wanted to tell you first, Dr. Jane Goodall is supposed to be our guest today. And I'm not betting the ranch on this because she's a pretty big name, and you've been trying been for trying at least for a decade years. to yes. get her on the air. I tell you, if I get her on, I'm going to retire. That's like, you don't go any oh, higher no. than that. That's it. <laughs> Okay, so hopefully, Jane, please show up for this, because we need Judy here. Also, no, if she, if she shows up, I leave. That's it. I'm that's saying, it? Oh, I'm really? Saying, I say I quit after that, because I can't do anything. You can't get any that. better. That's right. I've done it. The ultimate. There's nothing where for me to go for this job. See, now I'm torn. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I can advise maybe Mark Wahlberg might be the top for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, now you're talking. You know, we did, oh, who was that other guy? Um... Oh, Josh Brolin. Josh no, Brolin. No, 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 no. Uh, Josh Jamel. Jamel. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now Mark Wahlberg, and then I'll retire. <laughs> you know, we okay. have a lot of celebrities. You've done an amazing job. Oh, thank over you. over a thousand celebrities have been on the air with us since two thousand and one. Two yeah, late two thousand one. Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry, I just had to pause and reflect there for 18 years of Animal Radio. And we continue on today. If this is your first day, well, welcome. Thanks for finally tuning in. We're going to go to the phones for your calls coming up in just a couple of seconds at one 405 8405 Lori, what are you working on for news this hour? Well, one of the fun stories I found early this morning I'm going to share with you coming up here. It's actually a top 10 list, and I... I think we all love list, but this one is on the most popular small and tiny breed dogs. Oh, well, that's a I mean, gimme. I, I can oh, tell yeah. you what tops no. that list. Yeah, me too. You know what? I've seen the list, and what I thought was number one was not even in the top ten. Oh, okay. Okay, who made that list mm-hmm. then? We're going to stick around and find the, out. It's according to the AKC. Oh, huh. yes, of course. Uh, which one, Judy, are we going to? You've screened them all? Mine, two. Are they all exciting calls? They're all, but I want to go to two. Okay, go into two first. Hi, Karen. Hi. Where do you call home? Uh, Carmel, California. Oh, I'm jealous. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> where are you? Well, we're in Central California, just down from you, but I got to tell you, that's one of those things that if you get to live where tourists go, you're very blessed. I don't know. Sometimes it's not all that what it's cracked well, up to be. Because you're I in say. Vegas, though. You're in Vegas. Uh, it's, uh, kind of the like gambling only goes all the time. Yeah, and you know, it's sometimes just the gambling only goes so far, yeah. and you just like to get away from traffic and all that. So, yeah. plus remember, so, Vegas well, always wins. Ultimately, you may leave head one time, but when you come back, they'll get it back. I know you called to talk to the doctor. What's going on with your pet? <laughs> well, um, about. Six months ago, my I noticed my uh, Russell's 12 years old, losing weight, and then she started limping. I was getting ready to go on a vacation, and um, she started throwing up and wasn't eating her food. And uh, so I took her to the vet. We did um, blood tests, and it was kind of a rush thing, and um, kind of got her stabilized. And then when I came back from my vacation, she was fine. 
But if she overeats, she throws up. Um, they told me that they palpated a little mass in her abdomen and that mm-hmm. it could be cancer and mm-hmm. that um, they could do an ultrasound to find out. And if it's metastatic, they could do a chest X-ray. We did labs, and the UN and creatinine was fine, so the renal failure was, was ruled out. Diabetes okay. was ruled out, and thyroid was ruled out. She does have a leg, not the leg she limps on, that she chews at the joint all the time. Okay. She's, she's happy. She's got a lot of energy, and she wants to eat constantly. But if you overfeed her, then she throws up. Mm, okay. Now, did you mention that they took x-rays so far, or they were just talking about it so far? No, we did do x-rays of the spine and the chest. The spine has a little spur on it, so that's probably the reason why she's limping. And the chest x-ray looks clear. Okay. All right. Well, it definitely it troubles me that, you know, this vomiting is occurring when there's larger volumes because that would certainly give me concern about the structure of the stomach, it's something potentially with the outflow of the stomach. And if they think they're feeling something inside the stomach or seeing something on the x-rays, then I certainly would move to an ultrasound because it really can give us a, a better visualization of the structure of the organs. So x-rays only go so far. In, in many cases, we may see something or we may not see something. And if I still have a gut feeling that something's not right and the patient, you know, all the signs are pointing towards something, um, then I'll move to an ultrasound. And mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty easy as far as uh, getting, getting that accomplished. And it may not tell us everything. When we're talking about the digestive tract, in a lot of cases, we will do an ultrasound first. But in mm-hmm. some cases, we may have to do other ways to look at the, um, the gastrointestinal tract. So sometimes a barium study or even a scoping might help us to better identify if there's, say, a polyp along the way, a mass, or some mm-hmm. changes that could cause um, some outflow obstruction out of that area. So those but would the be metabolic the- part of her losing weight and still having an appetite, and I do feed her, you know, twice a day small meals, and for her you know, size, I think the meals are appropriate. It's just that, you know, dogs sometimes tend tendency to overeat. She definitely yeah. is, seems to want to eat if any time. <laughs> Yeah, and and I'd say if she's taking in about the normal amount that she has in the past, and she's losing weight, then there's there's a disparity there somewhere. Um, right. And there are definitely you know whether it's a chronic health condition or something of a cancer nature, we know that the body needs more energy and can't utilize it well when we're fighting those problems. So that can mm-hmm. explain perhaps why she might be eating okay or even have a strong appetite and losing weight. So mm-hmm. I guess in the back of my mind, I, I I'd say yeah. Yeah, I'd encourage you to keep looking um, mm-hmm. because some things it, it certainly would be better to tackle head on rather than kind of wait for them to become more of a problem and become more apparent. Um, and I don't know that, you know, the, the leg thing probably gets me too excited about the licking on the leg. Um, but definitely well, she chews that. on it, that one joint, and she's caused a sore. And so I would, I've gone to a naturopath and, and acupuncture and that stuff, but it doesn't. You know, she still chews on it, and it's all brown, you know, from her chewing and licking. 
Yeah, and definitely a lot of dogs can do that where we see what we call a lick granuloma, and that's, uh, oodles yeah. of things can cause that, from allergies to boredom to you name it. Yeah. But, but I'd really say that, yeah, I think in this situation, I would encourage you to move forward. And in the okay. meantime, we might try things, you know, with a pet that's having some, you know, vomiting ongoing, we might try some uh, hypoallergenic diets or some easily digestible diets, um, as well it's as... Usually you know, just some... when my husband feeds the dog because he overfeeds it. Ah, okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I hope that's all it is. Um, but definitely, I'd say, you know, if the weight losses continue, um, you know, I'd, I'd stir up uh, the old doctor's phone and, and say, hey, you know, uh, I'm ready to take that next step and, you know, see if there's more going on there. Would Would you recommend any other specific blood test? I mean, they've ruled out thyroid. They've ruled out diabetes because she isn't, like, drinking and peeing a lot. And uh, so it's not that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a good question. There are some uh, health conditions with the pancreas that can cause some problems with uh, weight loss. Generally, we'll see vomiting, diarrhea, some other things, uh, and uh-huh. that would be the, more in the TLI uh, family or the PLI, and, and those are specialty pancreas tests that can be done. Uh-huh. Um, I'd have to say, though, if they feel something kind of strange in the belly, I'd follow their instincts and mm-hmm. uh, track that because some of these other things we can do, we vets, we can add on all sorts of tests, but I'd say sure. we want to pick yeah. with clinical interest and really you know, what's most pertinent to your situation and to your pet situation um and and i would certainly track that way first maybe before we go looking for you know other tests that we can do yeah but okay. uh, so they also but, found uh, i mean they when they said 240 dollars i said oh well let's see if she gets tested. sure <laughs> well not. you know that the blood test i'm proposing at least in my area can easily run you 120 so it's yeah uh, you know we're starting yeah. to get into some more costly things so um yeah i'd say um as much as you probably don't want to hear those dollar signs jingling along with that um it might be the most prudent way to go for at this point okay. so that way they can good. tell if it's a mass that's causing pressure that's making her throw up when she overeats yeah, if there's a mass effect in that area. And again, we can't see everything, those little polyps inside the lumen or inside the structure of the digestive tract. But uh, the big things, um, hopefully they'll be able to pick that up and, and give us some direction on that. I, I hope that helps you and gives you some uh, some food for thought there, uh, Karen. And uh, best wishes to you and your baby and hope she has a speedy recovery there. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio at one 405 8405 you're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1 866 405 8405. Hey, this is Paula Poundstone. Wait, I forget where I am. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. I love that. Oh, hey, this is Paula Poundstone on Animal Radio. Spay and neuter your pets, or we're going to be eaten alive. Now an animal radio news brief. I don't know about you, but I love to kiss my dog. I have a friend. Oh my gosh, they need to get a room. That that dog and her, I, she goes crazy with the dog. Many people share the belief that a dog's mouth is cleaner than a human's. A pet saliva can somehow cure human cuts and scrapes. Well, these are just some of the beliefs held by pet owners, according to a new study. Dogs' mouths are certainly not cleaner than a human's. Dogs can carry a variety of germs and bacteria in their mouth that stem from buildup of plaque.
plaque and tartar that can potentially make humans sick. A healthy mouth is actually essential to the overall well-being of your pet, but misguided information about pet oral health can affect more than just your pet's mouths. For proper pet oral health, veterinarians advise daily brushing or giving veterinary oral health counsel approved dental treats and at least an annual oral exam by a vet with professional cleanings as recommended. This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at animalradio.pet. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at animalradio.com. Log on, learn more. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten free. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1 866 405 8405. Celebrating the connection with our pets. If you'd like to talk to Dr. Debbie or Joey Villani, you can call now, toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. And you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And this healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. It's available, or you can learn more over at redbarninc.com. And thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Now, rumor has it, word is that uh, next hour, Jane Goodall will be joining us. Is it, is that... Rumor has it. Yeah, and this is not the first time you've tried to get her on. You know what? We've been on the sh- on the air for many, many years. 18. And, yes, and I've tried, not 18 times, but I've tried many times to get her on the show. So today, she, and why is she coming on today? Do you do you know why? I mean, does she uh, does she have a new project she's working on? Or uh, new... She, you know, she seems like she always has projects she's working on. But she has the Goodall Foundation, and there's a company that's making a product, which the proceeds are benefiting her foundation. Ooh, so that's a real tease. Ooh, what there. kind of product? Yeah. Can we can we can say we what say, kind of okay. product? Actually, it's called. It's one of her favorite scents. It's called Lily of the Valley. What is it, a perfume? Mm. No, it's actually deodorant. Deo- and I'm wearing it, too. I'm wearing it today. I don't know if you can smell. I smell like yeah, Lily of the Valley today. <laughs> smell your pits. That's a, what a lovely thing to say. Hey, can I smell your pits? He's so romantic. Okay, so she, uh, Jane Goodall is in the antiperspirant uh, deodorant yes. business, and we'll be talking to her in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Also coming up this hour... A topic that's oh too familiar to Animal Radio listeners, it's pet insurance and when to buy pet insurance. 
Or should you buy pet insurance? I just, it I don't Seems know. like we talk about this a lot. Me either. We do. It's, yeah. you know, I think it's very polarizing for a lot of people. And, you know, some people have great experiences. Other people think you got to get something back from it. And if you're not getting paid from your insurance, then it's a lot, you know, it's a bad thing. Now, is yeah. this guy that we have on, is he, does he work for an insurance company or is he uh, objective or subjective is my question. I don't think he works for a particular insurance company. So I think he, he works for many different ones. So I think he's going to give us some. Why do you look at me like that? I'm, I'm waiting for you to answer the question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he works for insurancequotes.coms, which leads me to believe that he, ah. he's like an umbrella for many different yeah, types you, you of insurance. Yeah, you don't know who's paying for that website Yeah, and, and whose pocket. We'll find out. That, that'll be the first question I ask him. Okay. There's who, pay, a warning. who pays him? Yes. Who pays him? Where does he get his paycheck from? Okay. Because that's important to know when you ask these. When you get information about insurance or any right. product, you need to know where you're right. getting that information from and who's paying for that. Okay, so that's on the way. What are you working on for this hour, Lori? Well, we have a cat custody dispute, but this case, wow. It, it doesn't involve a couple that's breaking up, you know, like most of them. Um, in this case, there is such a big uproar, though. And remember, no breaking up couple. But it's so big that the courts have been forced to get involved. Really? And, of course, yeah, most courts look at uh, animals as property, too. Right. So right. They're changing. It's they slowly are slowly changing. changing. Slowly. Okay, uh, which one should we go to? Is this one for Dr. Debbie? Yeah, let's go to this one, line two. Hey, Paul, how you doing? Oh, pretty good. How are you guys doing? Splendid. What can we do for you? Uh, I've got a uh, eight-year-old wire hair Dotson, and over the last couple weeks he is becoming more and more bloated um he kind of looks like a you know how a puppy looks when he has worms and stuff oh sure yeah his belly is getting that big oh dear okay well what else is he doing is there anything else going on coughing any vomiting diarrhea anything like that no no he's eating and he's going out there and using the bathroom it's just his you know he got into the garbage about three weeks ago and I don't know if he could have a blockage or if he got worms from getting into the garbage. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm definitely disturbed that you're saying it's it's changing that much within that short period of time. So for me, I'm going to say, you know, I would definitely, if he were in front of me, I'd be examining him. I'd be feeling that belly, and I'd probably get an x-ray of that belly um, because that quickly of a change isn't good. Um, I would definitely want to be checking out his spleen, which is a really a heavy blood-filled organ, and that can change in size um, very quickly. So that would be something I would definitely want to look at. Now, um, there are certainly some other things that cause, you mentioned worms. Uh, generally, I wouldn't expect it to be that dramatic, that fast of a, a bloating, if you will, of, of his belly. Um, not a bad idea to do a deworming, but I think we got some bigger fish to fry here in this situation. Um, and uh, did you mention any kind of hair loss or anything else, anything going on there? No, no, he, he's uh, got all his hair. You know, he's still, you know, the happy-go-lucky bear that, you know, he acts like a puppy. Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing, like I said, is is his belly. Uh, you know, I drive a truck, and the last time I was in was a week ago, and I was just amazed at how big his belly had gotten. Yeah, um, yeah. 
Well, I'm going to definitely tell you that personal experience here, um, my own Labrador um, started to be a little broad in the, in the front part of his abdomen, and it you know, wasn't hurting. He's still his normal self. And we actually, on an ultrasound, we found a, a small tumor in his spleen, but his spleen was kind of getting big as a result of having this thing in there and having to produce more new blood cells. And um, so we, we actually had to address that and deal with that surgically. But the, the big thing is that if you're seeing this get bigger, I don't think I want to have you delay this anymore. You need to get this baby to the bat, okay? Okay. I'll, I'll do that as soon as I get home. Okay. Very good. And, and hope everything turns out okay. If you have other questions from there, let me know. Okay. Thank you. Stay safe. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, this is Brandon McMillan on Animal Radio, and be sure to adopt and not shop. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido-friendly magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. A custody issue over a cat has ended up in Quebec's highest court with a ruling just last week that an animal shelter there must reveal the identity of the family that adopted the formerly missing cat that was actually picked up as a stray. The Quebec Court of Appeals upheld a lower court decision that ordered that the name and contact information of the adoptive family be handed over to the animal's original owner. Now, the ruling says that Sunday, that's the name of the cat, who had uh, been with his previous owner for about eight years, that the cat wandered off from his home without wearing his collar or tag. That was on or about April 13th of just this year. And then after he failed to return after more than a week, the owner reported Sunday missing 10 days later. So two months later, fast forward, on May 28th, the family was told, hey, we have the cat here at the shelter. But the next day when they showed up, they were told that Sunday the cat was in fact already living with a new adoptive family. So... Yeah, somebody in this case really had their wires crossed and screwed up. But last month, a judge up in Canada ordered the shelter to hand over contact information for Sunday's new family. However, the animal shelter refused and appealed that decision, claiming Quebec's privacy laws prevented it from disclosing the new owner's information, probably like HIPAA laws here. But as of now, this saga continues, and at last report, the Orange and white calico cat named Sunday had not been returned to his original owner. But I'm sure there'll be more in this case. Mm. Wow. That's an incredible story. I, let's follow that closely. I want to find out how that one. Uh, yeah, would you? I don't think that they should give out the name and address. Yeah. I, I think that they should, the shelter should contact the new owners and see if they'll willingly give it up. And then if they don't, let the co- courts intervene. But to give over the contact information to the previous owner, I think, would just cause trouble. How did the the original owner lose the cat again? Just took off because, yeah, he they said he was a wanderer, okay, and that they weren't surprised that he was gone for a few days, and then so at ten days they contacted the animal shelter 
Now, that would be at 10 days if April 13th was the date, because they said on or about April 13th, he went missing. I got to say. They reported him missing on April 23rd. Yeah, 10 days is a long time to, to not check with the shelters. Yeah. yeah it's uh, You know what? Yeah. This is just another good reason not to let your cats wander outside. I mean, create a cattery for them or something. They'll live a much longer life if they live indoors and, and, and within, you know, a cattery. We have one here at the the uh, Animal Radio Studios. The cats yeah. get to go out and they're, they're safe from the other animals and they don't uh, wander and take off. And so, if you are going to another... do it, microchip. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, Judy. Okay, well, we'll follow that story and, and uh, be sure to hear the rest of it within the next few weeks or months here on Animal Radio. Hopefully, yeah, or years as the courts usually go. Yep. But we all love uh, list, right? Because here's one that gets down to the minute details, tiny stuff. It's the top 10 list of the most popular small and tiny breed dogs. Uh, that includes all dogs under 30 pounds for a breed standard. And they are, according to the AKC, at number 10 is the Boston Terrier. In ninth place, Shih Tzus. In uh, number 8 on the list is the Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. At number 7 is the Pembroke Corgi. I love corgis. They're so cute. Uh, miniature Schnauzers come in at 6th place. At number five on the list of the most popular small and tiny breed dogs in the U.S. is the Dachshund, the weenie dogs. Uh, number four is the Yorkshire Terrier. And in the top three, third place goes to Poodles. Uh, number two is the Beagle. That kind of surprised me. And the most popular small breed dog in the country. And I thought for sure. Chihuahua. Like, what are you? Exactly. That's what I thought. Chihuahua. Yes. How, what would you have thought? I would have said the same thing. Or a rat terrier. But... Either yeah, one. yeah. So what it's is not. it? It's the French bulldog. Really? Chihuahua didn't yeah. make the list to the top ten. None in the top ten. I yeah. know. You wow. know what my I favorite breed shocked. is? My top breed, of what? course, is the mutt. I like the mutt. Just a combination see. of them all. You yeah. know? I thought for sure you were going to say cat. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> His favorite dog is a cat. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. And uh, Dr. Jane Goodall coming on next hour. Is that correct? You've tried several times to get her, and this is... uh... You've confirmed with her agency? They tell me she'll be here today. I believe. This is, I'm actually a little nervous. I know. We're all a little nervous there here around the studio. There are few celebrities that make me nervous. <laughs> and, uh, she's Jane, legendary. She, she is. is. That's a thing. Yes. Yeah. She's awesome. I was also nervous wow. for Smokey Robinson. I remember days before that interview. It turns out he doesn't even love animals. But you know what? Pets. I was still so dis- The one interview I missed. You were out missed, of town. I was yeah, out, out of town. town and he was like my idol. <laughs> oh, I grew up with Smokey. Oh, some of these people, it's just, wow. Okay, so uh, if you're an animal radio regular, you're no stranger to us. You know that we talk about pet insurance a lot. Yeah, should you or shouldn't you? And we all differ in the studio. As you might already know, I put a little (laughs) money away in my bank account and I gain a little interest on that. And I'm 
pretty disciplined on that. So if something happens that isn't really over-the-top catastrophic, I could probably cover it. See, and I'm sorry I didn't get it because my dogs had three leg surgeries that cost me thousands of dollars each time. Yeah, and Dr. Debbie, of course. She... Uh, yeah, well, I see the benefit every day with uh, you know pet owners that fortunately have a policy in place. Um, to help them when they least expect it or the alternative when they don't and they have to make very difficult decisions because mm. they don't have the financial means. Sure, sure. So if you are on the, the page of getting insurance, we're going to talk a little bit about that right now. We have Jason Hargraves. Am I pronouncing your name correctly? Yeah, no, no, you're pronouncing it perfectly. And you are the managing editor of insurancequotes.com. That's correct. And who pays for that website? That's the first question i got to ask. Uh, where do you get your paycheck from? Well, basically, I, I do the editorial side. So we have a couple of websites that I cover all kind of uh, topics of insurance, whether it's pet insurance or, or uh, home or auto. And then basically, that's what I do. But our site's funded by people coming who are looking for quotes from various insurance agencies, whether big or small. It's like a one-stop shopping spot. So they come in here, and we try to get them together with an insurance agent that's going to best match their needs. Okay, so are you being paid by the insurance companies or a particular insurance company? Uh, I'm getting nothing from an insurance company. Great. So, okay, what, what should we know when it comes to picking an insurance policy? What are the top things? Well, you know, the, the, the thing I like to tell people about pet insurance um, is that it's, a, it's so much different than what you have for you or your family. And it can be a good thing or a bad thing how you look at it. But, you know, with, with pet insurance, as the veterinarian can attest, is that it, it doesn't work like humans. You don't go in and have a copay. It's basically an arrangement you have with the, uh, the health, I mean, the pet insurance company. So if, if your dog is uh, hurt or has a disease, you're probably going to be out of pocket that money until you can get reimbursed because it's up to you to then file the claim with the pet insurance company. So it kind of takes the middleman out, which some people enjoy because it can put more control in the pet owner's hand and it's more flexible. You can use it, you know, at, at any veterinarian. They don't have to be on, you know, any kind of program or on this, take this type of insurance. So that gives the owner a lot more flexibility, but it can, can come as a surprise if you're expecting to go in to the veterinary office and all of a sudden you expect them to file an insurance claim and it work like that. Is there any pet insurance that is like a pre-approval? I know my dog's going to have surgery, so I go to them for pre-approval, and they approve it, and they pay for it. There's nothing like that. I still have to pay for it up front and file a claim? There, yeah, there's nothing like that. Now, you will have your actually, insurance. Actually, there is. Um, we, we actually operate with – I'm sorry to invite in. No, no, go ahead. But, but we do operate um, with one of the insurance companies, um, Trupanion, which does have a pre-approval. So I can have the client actually in the lobby tell them they need to do a $2,000 surgery, and they get on the horn to the insurance company to figure out how much that will cover. And they actually do also offer a direct pay option to the veterinarian, but it has oh, really? to be set up in advance. Advance. So um, I, I think some of that is, you know, convenience-based and establishment of, you know, the company and the, you know, with the relationship with the veterinarian. But, you know, th that's just one example. I'm sure there's others that are looking at that, too. Well, you're, you're also, though, you're knowing in advance exactly what your pet insurance policy is covering because you can get a policy that can cover a variety of issues at a, for a, several different price points. So, you know, it's good to know what's going to be covered when you're searching and if it's going to be if an accident's covered or if, you know, a long-term illness is covered covered. Um, so you have an idea of what's going to be covered. And that's great. I think if, if more people are looking into that, paying directly to uh, the veterinarian, that that's a great uh, offer to have. Um, I'm not familiar with it. Most of the, the, the people I've done with, it's all a reimbursement. But the it's a, you know, it's an ever-changing field. It's gotten very popular in the last mm -hmm. few years. You know, we haven't heard of it. And so much of the healthcare is 
has gotten so much better for animals. We didn't have the technology before. So the, the marketplace for pet insurance is really rapidly changing, as as we just found out. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you, but I was going to say, Jason, you're so right. There are a lot of misconceptions. And the, and the one I have to say that I have, I, I heard this just the other day when I was in the office and um, a cat was sick, had a you know, major illness that came up. And then, you know, the pet owner turned to the veterinarian and said, so how about that pet insurance? I can get that now, right? <laughs> It'll help cover the cost. So people oh think God. that you yep. get it after your pet is sick to help you pay less. And, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, you can clarify how insurance works, but it's hedging the bet that your pet will never need that insurance not after they get sick. We're with Jason Hargraves. He's the managing editor at insurancequotes.com. Yeah, we're talking insurance again. So many questions, more on the way. Stick around. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Bar Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. It's Animal Radio, and we are with Jason Hargraves. He's the managing editor at InsuranceQuotes.com, and we are talking pet insurance. So I got to think some insurance is more expensive than other insurance. How much does it really cost? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the... We have our data from, I believe it's 2017, that says you know, the average annual premium to have pet insurance for dog is about $517 and about $321 for a cat. So it's a little cheaper to insure a cat. Their medical bills tend to be a little cheaper also. Um, so you know, that's something to weigh in your mind. You know, if that's how much I'm going to spend a year. I think our data also shows that you know an average routine care vet visit can be you know around the $200 mark. But if you're talking about there's been an accident, your dog was hit by a car or something very severe, these averages are not going to be of any good to you then. It's going to be an extremely high medical bill. Do more dog owners get pet insurance than cat owners? By far. And so that's that's kind of – that's one of the the sticking points I always like to to point out. Dog owners are are much more into pet insurance than cat owners. And there's about 1.8 million pets in North America that are covered by pet insurance. And that sounds like a great idea until you really do the math. And that's only about 1% of the cats and dogs in America. Wow. In Sweden, don't half of like the pet owners have uh, insurance? Isn't that a pretty common place in Sweden? Yes, it is. And that's, you know, that's where it, it sort of all started was um, uh, it was very popular in Scandinavia and those countries. And, it, you know, the idea of pet insurance came here. I think our first pet policy was in 82. It was to Lassie, which had some PR uh, uh, motivation there also. But, yeah, we're, uh, the UDS in North America is a little late to game compared to some other countries. So is pet insurance like human insurance in the fact that my dog is 10 years old. I didn't get it when she's a puppy. If I get it now, is it going to cost me a lot more per month than it would have if I got it as a puppy? I suspect it would. And what probably would happen at, at 10 years old, you probably would have a very difficult time finding um, pet insurance. Now, that said, you can find policies that have a variety of coverages or a variety of exclusions. For instance, your, your dog may be 10 years old. There, so there could be a lot of health issues that may be around the corner. So your health and uh, the pet insurance could be they could say, well, you know, maybe something more affordable would be an accident-only insurance policy. So that way, only if he was hurt in an accident would it pay, so bring your premiums down. Oh, you uh-huh. can work with and get coverage, but I think at that stage, if you wanted a full-service uh, coverage, 
think you'd be hard pressed to find, but if you did, it would be expensive. Yeah. My problem would be choosing it. You say that uh, <laughs> coverage can vary wildly from policy to policy, and when I think right. about human coverage, there's I think there's minimal differences between policies, but apparently not so with pet insurance. What is it we should be looking out for when we choose these? Well, I think there's not exactly the same regulation in the in the uh, pet health insurance business, but I think the biggest thing is actually what is covered, because your expenses are going to be if you have to take your vet because of an accident, you know, broken bone or an accidental poisoning or ingesting a, a foreign object. I know we've had dogs that like to eat rocks in the backyard, never a good thing, um, you know, or versus chronic diseases or diseases that may just come on all of a sudden, like pancreatitis or something. So really understand what it's covering and make sure you know these items are covered so you're not surprised. And again, many policies will will offer just an accident-only policy, which is much cheaper. But then again, that doesn't help if your dog developed cancer or has some kind of heart ailment. So you really have to investigate and always go through a mental checklist like, okay, well, what if this happened? And, you know, ask the insurer, well, was this covered? Is this covered? So you really have to, to really ask the questions and know it's covered. And that's the best thing I do in shopping around. Whatever's going to give you the peace of mind. But, you know, talk to the insurer and, and actually give them some case scenarios. Well, if this happens, X, Y, Z, am I covered or am I not covered? And they can build you a policy that, that fits those needs. So there is some flexibility, but obviously you're going to pay more for uh, more coverage, and especially if your pet's older. I, you know, I, I think a lot of our apprehension towards pet insurance is we all have these preconceived notions. And so I'm thinking, what is my preconceived notion? It mm-hmm. is that with rescue dogs or dogs you adopt from shelters and stuff, you don't know their past history. So I I think that I'm going to be denied insurance. Is that true, or, or how do they do that? Well, there, it's you're not going to actually have a, a health screening for your dog before the insurance company. Age is is, is important, um, and you know as far as pre-existing conditions, you know, that's kind of a, a, a loose situation, it, again, depending on the policy and how they want to cover it. But your medical records, it's not going to be as thorough as you would for, for a, 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 you know, human health insurance. So, you know, it, again, you just have to find the right provider. And a good thing, too, is if you do have a dog from a, a shelter or you have a dog that's 10 years older, maybe you don't know how old your dog is. That's something to be very upfront about because the last thing you want to do is pick a, a, a pet insurance company that's going to end up not paying because you forgot to tell something or disclose it. So the best thing is take your dog's information and, and let the insurer know up front because you don't want to be on the back end of that and find yourself stuck with a huge bill and coverage that you you know just don't have. Well, in that case, is there maybe a, um, a company that you would recommend that people who do the adoption rescue thing would be better go- off going on, going with? You know, there's just there's so there are so many new companies coming on board and so many new options. Um, I would really just recommend shopping around for it because, you know, they're tailor making a lot of these policies to fit consumers needs. And if you do end up having, you know, a lot of people getting rescue animals, for instance, um, they could easily create a whole subgroup for that. So, you know, like I said, there's there's new companies being added every day and it's a growing uh, field, especially uh, in this country. So, you know, always just check the marketplace and see what's out there. Okay, we appreciate your time today, Jason Hargraves. The website, insurancequotes.com, will put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. We'll head back to the phones next. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. 
Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. Here is today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. The 2020 Nissan Titan has been successfully craned into Nissan Stadium, replacing the 2016 Titan XD that previously inhabited Nashville's most coveted tailgating spot. In total, three new 2020 Titan pickup trucks will be added through the Nissan Stadium. The new 2020 Titan atop the Gate 4 joins the rest of the Nissan lineup of vehicles displayed at specific gates throughout the stadium. To find your new Nissan, see our reviews at ourautoexpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service. For professional parts people you can trust, stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts. Better prices. Every day. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio. Featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks, And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And this hour, Dr. Jane Goodall is supposed to join us. She is one of my uh, heroes, my mentors. I've always wanted to... I visited with very few monkeys or chimpanzees in my life. I can list them on like one hand, maybe two. Michael Jackson's. Yeah. Got to visit with him. Bubbles. I did too. Bubbles, yes. I met Bubbles. And uh, it was a lot of fun, but you know, there's not a lot of places or opportunities other than zoos really to visit with chimpanzees. Dr. Jane Goodall has spent an entire life living amongst the chimpanzees. And you know what I heard? I heard that her father gave her a chimpanzee toy when she was just a little, little tot. And her father's friends said that he shouldn't have given her the toy because it will give her nightmares. Really? Yeah, I know. Go figure. It made her dreams come true. It did. So we're going to find out a little bit about uh, what she has done and what she's doing now because she's very involved now. How old is she now? Can we do the math on that? She was born in 1934. I cannot wait to speak to her. I'll tell you that right now. And I'll do the math during the commercial break. She is 84. (laughs) 84 years. Really? Yes, she's 84. And she's still touring. She has 300 speaking engagements a year. Jeez. Yeah. Okay, so that's on the way coming up in, oh, approximately 35 minutes or so right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on for this hour? Oh, I have a, a really bizarre story. Um, a police dog, I will tell you about, who I don't know if I should say killed in the line of duty as maybe this dog was actually killed by another police officer. Kind of like really? a homis- and, uh, homicide, a police dog homicide. Right. But these apparently happen. It's not as rare as you would think, and it wasn't an accident. So we'll explain the whole story and the, the couple cases that we know about. Okay. Uh, and we're going to line four for Dr. Debbie. Okay. Hey, Cheryl, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. What's going on in your world? Well, I have a five-year-old mixed-breed dog who's part shepherd, and she is having issues with bladder stones. About four months ago, we had one removed, and she has another. Okay. Did you have the stone analyzed? Do we know what it was made out of? No, we did not do that one. We will on this one. I still have that stone, actually. 
Oh, well, excellent. You take that to your veterinarian and send that out. Um, the reason is because it's so important that we know what these stones are made of. Um, some stones we can prevent with diet. Um, some breeds are kind of predisposed to a certain variety of stones. There's calcium-based stone, phosphorus, silica, urate. Oh, my gosh, there's so many. In German shepherds, I would first think of a silica-based stone. It's it's one that this type of breed is just prone to. And so that's where that test is going to be so important to have that analyzed. If it is, um, it can be a very challenging stone to prevent, but some steps that we'll do are to move to diets that are very low in vegetable matter. Um, silica is very rich in things like uh, uh, different types of corn hulls, rice hulls, soybeans, anything basically that kind of grows out of the ground. Even potatoes can have silica. So for pets that have this particular type of stone, we'll go to more of a um, no-grain diet. Um, but the big thing is if anything is reoccurring, we got to make some steps and do some dietary changes to try to help out. Um, and, and then the other things going along with that, any type of bladder stone, the ways we can help a pet to expel those crystals and the microscopic forms of those stones is to make sure they're producing lots and lots of urine. And the way we do that is we encourage them to drink, but you know, you can't always force it down. But we can add things like a little bit of salt to the food, and that increases their thirst, and that'll increase the, the urine output. The other thing would be just a simple way to do that is canned foods have a higher moisture content. So whatever diet your veterinarian says is going to be the appropriate one for your baby, um, the canned varieties are definitely going to be the better way to go to just try to p- create lots of urine. And that way, we help to kind of basically flush the system naturally and try to get those crystals out before they build up into a stone. Um, but there are, there's a lot of other things that we have to look at. So really the first thing I'd say is get that stone tested and then find out if we've got infection going on. Cause there's, um, some stones that will be triggered by, um, a low grade infection in the bladder. And we've just got to get more info to, to better tackle this for the future. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Well, good luck with that, Cheryl, and give your baby a pat on the head. This is Dr. Debbie. We're all here waiting for your calls on behavior, medical care, um, or just a baloney with us. <laughs> give us a call at one 405 And let's go to Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Hi there. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? Okay. What's going on with your animals? Well, my dog, I don't know what happened. It, it sounds a little windy there. I know. I'm sorry. I'm walking. Hang on one second. I'm getting in my car right now. Okay. So last night, my dog, she was perfectly fine. And then when we went to bed, um, she started yipping like her bottom hurt. Hmm, and her tail's okay. tucked. And she hasn't gone to the bathroom. She hasn't pooed or peed or anything. Wow. And I'm very okay. concerned. Okay. And so this happened all of a sudden then, huh? Is she doing anything um, as far as like limping or is she jumping up on her bed furniture? Nope. Nope. She wasn't doing anything like that. How about anything like uh, licking or scooting her butt, doing anything of that nature? No, I haven't seen that either. Okay. All right. Well, I'd have to say the first thing that I think of with a chihuahua and um, that's having symptoms kind of to the back end with a tuck tail and seeming like we're uncomfortable and not really doing our normal things, not jumping, uh, not mm-hmm. eliminating on the normal uh, schedules. 
the first thing that I would look at is really to look at her spine. Okay. Because I do commonly see um, chihuahuas where they can have problems with uh, disc problems, so basically oh. with their spine. Uh-huh. And that can cause just kind of a referred pain to the, the lower part of the abdomen and the, uh-huh. the hind end. And um, because it hurts to go to the bathroom, they may not go. Right. Um, okay. And uh, your veterinarian can kind of get a feel for this by feeling along her spine and seeing okay. if she shows some reaction. But ultimately, they'll probably want to do some x-rays. And the okay. other reason I'd want to do x-rays would be to make sure that she doesn't have any problems with her bladder or her colon. Right. You, you said she's okay. not going. want to make sure she's not okay. blocked in any way. Right. Um, right. Okay. But yeah, so okay. I do think that would be something I would really look at and see if we need to get this gal some pain medicine, at least in the in the meantime, while, while they're figuring okay. some stuff out. Okay. So yeah. Okay. And you know, and a couple of things you said, you know, not wanting to jump up and down and with that tail being held down. So yeah. if it is something with her spine, um, the way I always describe this to people is that, um, you know, for us, if we have a back problem, you know, we don't do much. We lay down. Right. <laughs> we just right, kind of right. stay put. Yeah. And dogs, you know, they're horizontal, their spine. So anything mm-hmm. that causes that horizontal spine to kind of move up and down at either end can cause pain. Right. So going upstairs or jumping on or off furniture mm-hmm. or sometimes even just lifting the head can cause pain. Oh, okay. So, oh, wow. okay. so yeah, so that would be kind of on my, on my concern list. So um, definitely yeah, get that checked okay. out and let us know yeah. how things turn out. I will. Thank you so much. Thanks for your call. Toll free 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the Dream Team. Uh, don't forget you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android and BlackBerry. Hey, Richard, how you doing? Well, our dog has... Dog. Has what? I said dog. Well done. Have what? Here, you talk about that. Oh, no, they got stuff in their ear. Crusty and okay. when you touch your ear. Uh, my wife says it's crusty looking. Is it white or black or green? It's like little white lumps. Little white lumps. Okay. And it's crusty. And it's crusty. And the dog yelps with you. And the dog... Like yelps just a little if you touch okay. your ear. Now you you mentioned you have more than one dog and and they both have the same problem. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, that's a little problematic for me because in general, when we talk about ear problems in dogs, there's not a lot of things that are really contagious. And if, if I'm from Vegas, so if I'm going to put my gambling chips on the line, um, I'm going to say it's a little unusual to have something in both dogs that isn't contagious. So the number one thing I'd really go looking for is ear mites, um, which are a, a contagious parasite that can cause ear problems, uh, a lot of itchiness, discomfort, uh, very scratchy pets when they have that. Um, but there are other things, and we look at anything from infections of yeast, bacteria, to little foxtails, those little plant um, plant parts that work their way in the ears. So if both pets are in the same environment, yeah, I guess they could get those. But I I really want to check out your pets and see if they might have something like ear mites. And and that's something easily done. Uh, You walk into Uh your local veterinary office and you ask them to take a sample of that and look at it under the microscope. And, oh, cool stuff moves around when we find ear mites. Um, Uh So if if it is something like that, it is very treatable. They're pretty much indoor dogs. You know, we just let them out to go to the bathroom and and they're chained up. It's not like they run through any fields or, you mm-hmm. know, they're running all over the place. 
Okay. And usually for something like ear mites, it is contagious between pets. So if there's a new animal in the home, whether it's a rabbit, a cat, or a dog, if they're sharing the same environment, um, then that could be contagious. Now, if they're not running at large and they don't really have contact with other pets, uh, you know, maybe it's less likely. But either which way, the number one thing I'm going to want to to have to help answer this question is is really to get a sample of that and look under a microscope. Because um, that's really the heart of where we start with these type of problems. I could list a million products to have you go purchase and put in your pet's ear, but it'll be just as worthless as flushing the toilet. So um, the number one thing is really for any pet with an ear problem um, to really get a good direction and a diagnosis. And Uh that is the biggest problem and the biggest uh, reason why a lot of pets' ear infections don't get effectively treated because we kind of home treat or we go over to the local pet store and we pick something off the shelf and we try to see if that will do the trick. But um, uh, I really can't advocate enough that we get at least one of these babies to the vet, but I would preferably get both of them over there. Okay. Thanks for your call, Richard. Good luck with that. Let us know if you need a follow-up. It's toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Yeah, puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why the Animal Radio studio stunt dog, Ladybug, uses the brilliant pad self-cleaning puppy pad. We love how it handles number one and number two. It seals away the waste and replaces dirty pads for us. Brilliant Pad keeps our home clean and smelling fresh. All we do is replace the roll once every few weeks, and the process is fast and clean. In fact, Ladybug gives it five paws up. Learn more about it at BrilliantPad.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. found us it's animal radio and this is where we celebrate the connection with our pets go ahead bring them around the radio if they're not around uh, grab them they like the show too and if there's something you hear on the show whether it's a book or a product or just a guest that you're interested in you can head on over to animalradio.pet p-e-t animalradio.pet and select the as heard on animal radio badge and get more information about this all of the things that you hear on animal radio And, of course, we encourage you just to do that anyway. Just visit the website and maybe even download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. The beautiful thing about this app is whenever there's a uh, recall or news that really affects you and your pets, we'll push a notification to you. So you'll know immediately and you'll stop feeding your pet that food that's been recalled. So it's a great app to have. It's free. It has the latest news on it. And uh, just go to your Apple Store or your Google Play Store and download it. Look for it. It's the Animal Radio app. And uh, in just a couple of minutes, we're going to be talking to, or we're supposed to be talking to Dr. Jane Goodall. Uh, I'm a little skeptical, but uh, we'll, we'll see if that happens. Uh, Lori, you're going to do a newscast in about 10 minutes. What do you have coming up mm-hmm. for this hour? Um, the Rainbow Bridge supposed to be all peaceful and everything, right? Yes, yes. I mean, when we lose our animals. Um, but there is some drama behind the Rainbow Bridge poem. We'll tell you about that. Really? And uh, yeah, and also the unusual mode of transportation that led a cat nearly a thousand miles away from home with a happy ending. Wow. Okay. That's on the way. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Hi. Where are you calling from today? Salt Lake City, Utah. Hmm. Beautiful place. Oh, it is. 
I have Dr. Debbie right here. What's going on with your animals? Well, we've got a seven-month-old kitten, and he's very loving and sweet and uh, purrs all the time. You know, if my alarm goes off in the morning, he makes a mad run for me to say good morning. Um, just one of those wonderful little kitties with me. The problem is my husband. Um, uh-huh. The two of them don't have the best rapport, and... Um, they, I'd like them to have a, a friendship going. Um, he'll go to pet him, and he'll move away, or uh, he'll pick him up, and he wiggles and tries to get away. And, is there anything that we can do? So is this only with your husband? Uh, have you had other folks, other people to the home, other men or uh, other visitors? Um, not really. We really don't get too much company. We're kind of new to the area at this point. Um, okay. And does he ever display any kind of um, more than just not wanting to be by him? Anything aggressive where he's scratched or bitten? Anything like that? Um, he has. He has scratched and bit a couple of times. Um, okay. What was your husband doing at the time? i got to ask. He just went to pet him. Just went to pet him. Okay, I just want to make sure he wasn't doing kitty harassment. You know, a lot of people, a lot of men like to put their hands on the cat's head and, like, shake it like I'm they're a dog. I'm offended you say Arr. that. What they oh, do. What they do. I see it all the time. I'll see a nibbling little kitten in a room, and it's kind of biting at my fingers while I examine it. And I'll be like, well, this is strange. And then you see the the man in the household going up to the kitty and rubbing the head, and then they start nibbling. They so, like yeah, that. Th- no, they don't. They like it, but it teaches very bad habits, Hal. So, um, okay. But we're, we're digressing here. <laughs> we're going back to Lisa here. So so for your little guy, um, as far as does he ever react that way with you? No, once in a great while, you know, if he wants to go play or something, he'll try and wiggle out of my hands, but that's a rarity. All right. Now, some things, you know, some cats don't really dig being handled and restrained. So there's that potential issue. Now, you may be the favorite person in the household, and many cats have the favorite person, and we may not always change that. That That's kind of a set thing for some cats. They love their one human, and they tolerate the other humans in the house. So that could be a scenario you're in. Now, a couple things we can try to really help him try to accept your husband would be to use the great motivator, food. Um, So so the goal would be to have your husband become the primary feeder in the household, not leaving food out, not leaving it sitting there. We want to reward him for tolerating the presence of your husband, if you want to say it that way. (laughs) But um, so having him be the one that presents the food, the treats, all of that kind of thing. But if the food's always there, there's no reward uh, for an unhungry cat. Um, so, So that would be the number one thing that I can advise for you. Um, the second thing would be is to really try to get some other humans around this kitty. And we can find that some cats, um, and even dogs just really have problems with certain physical types. And not to say they're discriminating, but there's some things that kind of freak them out. They can be men with really deep voices, men that are tall, people that wear hats, um, different physical traits, even people that might even be in a wheelchair or have a cane. That can kind of put off some animals that aren't really accustomed to those things or those physical traits. So I would definitely encourage getting some other uh, male people around your kitty and and um, see how he reacts with them. This could be something across the board that he's having. That In that case, then we really need to work on kitty socialization with the humans in the home. And, uh, again, food is the great rewarder. That's where I pull out the really stinky cat food, the canned uh, treats, those delicious little um, 
treats that you have in the cans that you shake and the cats come running. All of those kind of things we're really going to want to use to be that positive motivator for those people that might be different or new to the kitty. And uh, in the end, we'd have to go back to your husband and make sure he's not doing any of the head rubbing, the rough play. Um, if so, we want to use an extension. We want to use things like those cat dancer toys, the feathers on a stick toys, things that remove the human from that close vicinity of that really rough play. Because um, that really just sets up for these kitties to becoming um, kind of mouthy and aggressive when the human hand is in their immediate environment. Okay. I hope that uh, helps you there, Lisa. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate the advice. Thanks for your call. one 405 8405 to connect with any one of the Dream Team right now. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one 405 8405 Here is today's Top Automotive News Story. I'm Nick Miles. Aston Martin has announced a large range of DBX accessories. There will be 11 individual accessory packs to help tailor the DBX to a broad range of pursuits and hobbies. The options available in each of the carefully selected packages encompass everything from details such as illuminated tread plates, polished carbon fiber tailpipe finishes, to much larger options for carrying bicycles and surfboards on the roof. To find your new Aston Martin, see our reviews at ourautoexpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service. For professional parts people you can trust, stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts. Better prices every day. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. A Waco, Texas police officer shot and killed a police dog last week after the dog bit its handler as the officers were trying you know, on the job to serve a search warrant. Man, I was shocked when I read this report, but apparently it happens more than we think it does. And here's what happened in this case. As the officers had approached the house where they were serving the warrant, the police dog was with them. It was a Belgian Malinois. Uh, looks kind of like a German Shepherd. But the dog turned and bit its handler. Waco PD says at this point, the other officer on the scene was forced to shoot, to put down the dog in order to save the handler, who was later taken to the hospital, and they said that he would be fine. But this has happened before, and even at the Waco Police Department. It was, in fact, 17 years ago when a Waco police officer shot and killed the department's three-year-old Dutch Shepherd. That dog was named Blur. When the dog and its handler were searching for a stolen car suspect, and the dog attacked another officer who had approached the dog from behind. And they say that the dog was actually trying to protect that officer. But then last month, a canine officer in Ohio was attacked by his dog when the officer was trying to verbally correct the dog. And the dog turned on him and attacked him, forcing the officer to shoot and kill the dog. So it's, it's not a rarity, but crazy, huh? Well, if you've ever lost a pet... I know that you have heard about the Rainbow Bridge, a mythical overpass bridge into the sky said to connect heaven and earth. But it's also a spot where grieving pet owners supposedly reunite with their dearly departed pets. This all started as a poem about the Rainbow Bridge. Uh, Though its origins are disputed, this poem actually launched the myth. That was back in the 1980s. 
And at least three men are still claiming to have written the original Rainbow Bridge poem, but it's hard to know exactly which one really did write it, since all three of them wrote similar books in the 1990s about pet loss. Pretty weird, huh? Yeah, I want to know who wrote it. Come on, guys, all three of you. Who's telling you the truth? The poem and the books that followed, though, however, you know, did uh, validate the big need for support and helped create a new social understanding that pet deaths are devastating for their humans. But I've always wondered about that. Where did this Rainbow Bridge thing begin? I read it one time at the funeral of one of my cats. It was very comforting. And that's the key. It is very comforting. Um, Speaking of cats, Bobby the cat went missing from his home in Great Falls, Montana, more than a year and a half ago. However, his owner, luckily retired, 73-year-old Kyle Peterson. He never stopped trying to find Bobby. And last month, everything worked out. Bobby was found roaming the streets of Fallon, Nevada. Correct. Yes, Bobby had left Great Falls, Montana, turns up in Fallon, Nevada, after being picked up as a stray by animal control there. A quick scan of Bobby's microchip revealed that he was indeed more than 900 miles away from his home. So with that... uh, Luckily, that microchip information, the shelter was able to get in touch with Bobby's owner. And and after hearing how far that Bobby had traveled, Mr. Peterson believes that the cat actually wandered away from home and somehow hopped on a passing train, which uh, there are train tracks right across the street from his house, and somehow Bobby got on one of those trains. But he's back home now. Jeez. (laughs) Uh, Good ending, though. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, this is Justin Tyler Ferguson from Modern Family. I'm on Animal Radio. Adopt a pet. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. We're going to visit with somebody who we've long time wanted to visit with. Dr. Jane Goodall is joining us. Doctor, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. You know what? I... uh First of all... You're you're speechless I am because I have so many questions and so many things that I want to talk about. Um, as a youngster, I've always wanted to, uh, I loved primates and I still do, but there's really no way for me, uh, or the general population to interact or really get to know primates. What do you suggest from, from somebody who's spent a lot of her life living and, and, and really learning primates? How can someone like me get interaction with a primate? Well, I, I first of all have to tell you that you're a primate, and so am I. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess well, it should be fairly easy, but I think you mean non-human primates. That, exactly. Probably. That's what I mean. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, well, um, you know, there are some really, really good uh, chimpanzee exhibits in zoos, and there are also sanctuaries. Uh, you know, where chimps rescued from bad zoos, from circuses, uh, and from medical research. Um, a lot of people go down to South America, and, and there are trips there. You can go and see uh, various monkeys out in the forest. So there are different ways that you can learn about our cousins. 
your first experience with a, a monkey or a chimpanzee, should I say, was actually a toy, right? That's right. It was given to me by my father when I was one and a half years old, and it, there were a few of them made when the first chimpanzee to be born in London Zoo, in the whole of England, I think. And it was named Jubilee because it was the Jubilee year of the king and queen. Uh, and everybody thinks that it was because of that toy uh-huh. that I ended up studying chimpanzees. But, of course, it wasn't because I, I wouldn't, you know, nobody knew anything about them. They were exotic. I wouldn't have thought it possible. I went to Africa with the goal of living with any sort of animal out in the wild and writing books. That was the goal. And I met Louis Leakey, and he's the one who suggested chimpanzees. So it was like a kind of strange, I don't know. But it could have been any animal for you. I mean, as a youngster, I understand you used to hide behind the hen house to uh, to watch the hens? To see where chickens, I, where the eggs came from? I That's right. I hid in a small stuffy hen house waiting for a hen to come in. I waited four hours, apparently, which I think most four-year-olds probably wouldn't have that patience. <laughs> so I guess I was born, you know, with curiosity and fortunate to have an amazing mother who supported my interest. And although she was really worried because I was lost for four hours, she didn't get angry <laughs> when I finally rushed towards the house all excited. And, you know, a different kind of mother might have crushed that early curiosity and I might not have done what I've done you know back when you went to Africa that was kind of unusual for a single woman to go so you uh, were you ordered to bring your mother or did your mother volunteer to go with you on this trip what a great mom well the first time I went she didn't come that when I met Louis Leakey I went on my own and I was invited by a school friend and I was out there for about one and a half years and that was when Leakey asked if I would do it and then and there was a year to wait while he found the money. And I hadn't been to college, you see, so it was hard to find anyone who had faith in this crazy idea. And then the British authorities in what was then Tanganyika, the crumbling remains of the British Empire, uh, they refused for me to go on my own. And that's when Mum volunteered. I think Leakey twisted her arm a bit because he wanted someone who wouldn't compete with me or, you know, so anyway, she came for four months. Amazing. What an amazing mom. She was. Hey, Jane, I I have a question about kind of the preservation of different species. Um, When I was a kid, I I had a um, grade school teacher that was very opposed to zoos. And um, when I was in her class that year, she wouldn't allow me to go to the zoo. She wouldn't let her class go at all. Um, I wondered how you see the role of zoos as either partners or do you see them more as a problematic in in, um, preserving um, primates in the wild? It honestly depends on the zoo. Uh, you know, there are some creatures that I would want never to see in a zoo, like whales and dolphins. And fortunately, that's beginning to to get through to people. Um, elephants shouldn't be in zoos either, because, you know, they're, they're big and the zoo isn't a place for them. But um, there are zoos that are getting better and better. They're educating people. They have great education programs. They're putting... Um, money and people, actually, into conservation in the wild. 
And I know so many people now in conservation who say, well, when I was small, I went and saw these animals in the zoo and watched them for hours and knew I had to grow up and help them. Mm -hmm. It depends on the zoo and the animal. And I've seen exhibits where chimpanzees have large, appropriate groups. They have lots of enrichment, which is the main problem with zoos. You know, the animals get bored. Um, keepers who understand their needs and, you know, I think they have a pretty good life, actually. we got to take a quick break. We are with Dr. Jane Goodall. Stick around. It's Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. I'm Beth Stern on Animal Radio and Adopt from Your Local Shelter. If you're without dental insurance, do you have a plan to care for your teeth without spending a fortune? Introducing DentalPlans.com. You can save 10 to 60% off your next dental visit. All for as little as $7 a month with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And for a limited time, get one month free. 800-672-9202. 800-672-9202. That's 800-672-9202. Fees billed annually plus a $20 processing fee. Savings plans are not insurance. Savings will vary by provider plans and code. Consult with plan detail page for additional plan terms. Not all plans and offers available in all markets. Hey, this is Nicole Sullivan on Animal Radio. Please spay and neuter your pets, please. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets and our primates, which could be you and me. I just learned that. Uh, with us is Dr. Jane Goodall. So you travel now about, what, 300 days a year, and you're mostly speaking about environmental crisis. And I'm wondering, how can I personally, just one single person, affect positive change? Well, I meet so many people who have become aware of the mess that we've created on this planet. And you know, as well as I do, all the terrible things that are happening. And so people feel helpless and hopeless and therefore do nothing. But I always say to people, you know, each day that we live, every single one of us, we make some sort of impact, thinking about what we buy, where did it come from, how was it made, did it harm the environment? Did it involve cruelty to animals like intensive farms? Uh, is it cheap because of child slave labor? So finding out a little bit about what you buy and making ethical choices, which if it was just you would, wouldn't do a thing, but you know there are now millions of people who are beginning to think this way. Mm. So if we look at the cumulative effect of millions and millions of ethical choices. So we need to buy products that haven't harmed animals, that haven't harmed the environment, and that hopefully give back a little. I understand that you've you've teamed up with an antiperspirant or deodorant manufacturer? Yes, I'm not sure that that's all that they do, but... uh, Schmidt. Their, their products are cruelty-free. Nothing's tested on animals. Uh, it hasn't harmed the environment. And this um, this deodorant, uh, it, it, they asked me my favorite flower smell, and I said lily of the valley. So it's, it's lily of the valley. And the Jane Goodall Institute gets 5% of every stick sold. I like that. I like <laughs> that. Do we? <laughs> is it is it just for ladies or is there a, a men's antiperspirant? I don't know. But I, 
if you want to so smell like lilies. I want to smell of lilies of the valley. So well, I like this. Hot. I like the smell. I'm smelling some right now, and it smells very good, actually. I'm I'm wearing it. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a lovely smell, isn't it? Yes, it is. Dr. Goodall, I'm wondering, you spent just, I mean, time that I was so envious of when I would see your documentaries living out there with these wild animals that you had been working with and, and were so tame and kind with you. I, do you just miss that day, long for those days now that you're on the road so much? Well, I think back of them with great nostalgia. And you know the recent Geographic. Have you seen Jane? Yes. Yes, we No, have. I haven't. I haven't. Oh, well, you should, because that's the best. It's the only one of all that have been made, which takes me right back into the skin of 26-year-old Jane. And, you know, seeing and feeling, I'm once again among those chimpanzees that I got to know so very well, Flo and Fifi and... David Greybeard and Goliath, it's, uh, it's a very nostalgic feeling. But Gombe's not the same. Most of the chimps I really knew so well uh, have passed on. You know, they can live oh. 60 years, but it was 60 years ago that I began. So it just isn't the same as tourists around and things. I was so lucky. I just had that world to myself. You did. Now these days there are so many people who are getting involved in animal activism. How would somebody become a young Jane Goodall again? Well, there are young people whose passion is to go out and study monkeys or apes in the wild. And if they really are passionate, probably these days they'll have to get some kind of degree. Leakey sent me, particularly because I hadn't been to college because he thought I would have a mind that was uncluttered with uh, scientific reductionism, as there was at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, animals didn't have personalities, minds, or emotions, according to science. But I was taught by my dog that wasn't true. So today people can study those things. But when I first dreamed of Africa when I was 10, everybody laughed at me, how will you get there? Uh, you know, you don't have money in your family and Africa's far away and there's a war and you're just a girl. But Mum always said, if you really want this, you're going to have to work extremely hard and take advantage of all and any opportunity and don't give up. So that's what I say to young people as I'm traveling around. Um, Many of them actually, you know, they follow their dream and they get there. Even if they haven't... Uh, got the degree and they're not doing, you know, some kind of PhD or something. There are opportunities to volunteer in the sanctuaries in Africa. So there are many, many ways of living with animals and helping animals today. Wonderful. Thank you so much for... Okay, wait, 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 wait. Virtual hug before she leaves. (laughs) Oh, we're going to give you a virtual hug. We love you. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Take care. I'll give you a pantoot. Here's your greeting from me. Wonderful. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye -bye. (laughs) Bye-bye. Okay, before we get on out of here, I want to remind you, if you have a Shih Tzu, a Yorkshire Terrier, a Mini Schnauzer, or a Pug, check out Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. They are Kindle books available over at Amazon. And, of course, we have links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.pet. Go download the Animal Radio app now, please. Pretty please. 
And we'll see you next week for more Animal Radio right here on this fine station. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Good one. Good one. I'm hoping my goosebumps from Jane Goodall will finally go away. <laughs> Great like, show, you guys. Looks like you have a rash. This is Animal Radio Network.